1: Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, I'm at the Jim Toy Community Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with the center's board president, Travis Redina, and Michigan's LGBTQ, pioneering activist, Jim Toy. The name Jim Toy is synonymous with the queer movement in the state of Michigan. Jim was born in New York City in 1930 and earned his BA at Denison University in 1951. He holds a master's degree in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. The first publicly out man in Michigan Jim was a founding member of the Ann Arbor Gay Liberation Front. In 1971, he established the first campus center in history devoted to the support of sexual minority group members. The Human Sexuality Office at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor was later renamed the Spectrum Center. Jim served as its co-coordinator and gay male advocate at the center from 1971 until 1994. His status as a TBLG icon is based on over 40 years of tireless efforts to create safety and equality for people of all sexual and gender preferences through his speaking, teaching, writing, administrating, organizing, and protesting. The Washtenaw Rainbow Action Project, an Ann Arbor Resource Center that existed to provide information, education, social events, and advocacy by and for the queer and ally community in the Washtenaw County area, was renamed the Jim Toy Community Center in 2010 to honor this gay activist legend. Travis currently serves as a president of the board of directors at the Jim Toy Community Center. In addition to serving on the board of a community center, Travis was appointed to serve as the LGBTQ liaison to the mayor's office in the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's also a senior global engagement manager at the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan supporting the engagement efforts of Alumni Association chapters on the East Coast and in Western and Northern Michigan, as well as working with several global affiliate groups, including the U of M LGBTQ alumni and the U of M Black alumni. The center continues to be a safe space for the LGBTQ and ally community in Michigan. Jim and Travis, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you both today?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. I hope you guys are. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Summer's finally here, maybe in Michigan today.
3: Yeah. I, I am doing great. I'm on vacation next week, and so uh-huh. um, I am excited for some time off, but yeah.
1: Uh-huh. yeah. Jim, I have to tell you, okay, Julie Nimichek told me about the Book of Pride. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then I pick it up. And who do I find in there besides Julie? You.
2: Oh well, you
1: know. Um. Although, and I listen to it. I'm trying to to boost my my reading by listening to books too. So I'm listening to it, and I'm gonna. Like, That's not Jim Toy, uh, 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 yeah, But um. And I did It didn't tell a lot about you. You know. I mean, they had a lot of people, but it didn't tell a lot about you. But one of the things that I found like interesting was how when you went to stay with your grandmother and how she made you wear the sign that's saying that you weren't Japanese
2: Second World War
1: uh-huh. Yep So even before being gay Yeah. coming out and, and recognizing the stigma that, that people associated with being gay and, and yeah. the hate you faced a stigma just by being you still
2: Yeah, in terms of what's referred to as race, which is a, Mm -hmm. which is a, (laughs) I can't think of the word, it's a fictitious, Mm -hmm. it's a made up uh,
4: Mm -hmm.
2: word and reference. However, it's used all the time. And so, yeah, during the Second World War, I wore a cardboard sign around my neck when I went to school. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Jap.
4: Hmm.
1: Wow. You know, in fact, how was that? I mean, how long, how did that affect you? Did it make you like introverted? Did it make you very sensitive to other people who were perceived as different?
2: Well, it certainly augmented my introversion. I don't know that it uh, had any positive effect had any positive effect at that time on how I viewed other people
4: mm-hmm.
2: because I was so introverted. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you, you know, and then as you started to realize that you were gay. Yeah. Did you go, cause I know I had that moment. oh God, I'm black and I'm gay, you know, and woman, you know, but did you, did you have like that, like, okay, do I need to keep this part of me down because I'm already dealing with this and I just need to get out of town so I can be myself? <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Well, as, as it happened, fortunately, I'll, I'll use that term, the, I was involved with a so-called radical church in Detroit which <clears throat> served, one of its functions was to serve as sanctuary, for men who were trying to avoid armed service in the Vietnam War. And so I, I became aware of that particular movement. And then I think it's in the, what, what's the book? That the you Book referenced? of Pride. I think it's in the Book of Pride. I was typing up the church bulletin one night and I saw something that said gay meeting. And this this is in the Book of Pride, I think. And I went to the priest who, in those radical years, we referred to as daddy-o, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. asked him what this was and he said he didn't have a clue. However, said he, if we can't have a gay meeting here, whatever, that is, I'm still quoting him, mm-hmm. we might as well shut this God box down, mm-hmm. which is how we referred to the church.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so.
1: You know, that's another thing that I found interesting, because uh, you talked about how um, you had come up to Detroit, and you're working in an Episcopalian church, and here's daddy-o, and he's like having, like, talk, I mean, he was like, so, you know, if we can't have this, you yeah. know, we might as well shut it down. I had a friend who became um, an Episcopalian priest, and it wasn't that many years ago, and they didn't seem to be quite that that chill about it. You know, like where she was at one point, she had to be like in the closet, another point she could be out, but was there a shift in the Episcopalian church, or was it like that back in the day when, when you were there?
2: It was pretty localized. Mm-hmm. The National Episcopal Church has been, has, uh, how do I say this, depending on geographic location and so on, has had a range of opinion about sexual orientation, and then subsequently, more recently, about gender identity, gender expression mm-hmm. and the, the gender identity, gender expression uh, concern has come to us, well that's in my memory through the internet. Mm-hmm. And before the internet there was no discussion or very, very little discussion of, of <clears throat> sorry, gender identity and gender expression. So that part is new relatively new and fortunately for me at least the uh, Episcopal Church that I was working in in Detroit uh, was a hotbed I'm going to use that term of, of what I'll refer to as quote radical concerns. Mm-hmm. And so when nineteen seventy, I think it would have been Yeah, because in nineteen sixty nine I saw this reference to a to a gay meeting and then talked with the priest. So in nineteen seventy there was an announcement of a meeting in Detroit a quote day meeting as I recall I think that's how it got referred to so I said to my good friend John should we go to this Uh, because we weren't out and so we went back and forth for a month yeah we'll go no we won't go and finally the night before the meeting we got together well, this is in I think the the book uh, are we going to go or are we not going to go and we, we looked at each other and said if we go that means we're gay well because we weren't out to ourselves mm-hmm. really let alone anybody else so the next day we got into John's car and drove to Detroit and mm-hmm. here were I know maybe another dozen other people women and men just as excited and confused and scared too Mm -hmm. because what is this what are we gonna do here Uh, so we talked for hours and decided to form what we what we called the Detroit gay liberation movement as I recall we weren't going to call it a front because that's too radical for Detroit (laughs) and then John and I it it got very stale driving into Detroit for all these meetings let's start (laughs) a group in Ann Arbor so we put an ad in the Michigan Daily and about a hundred people showed up
4: Mm.
2: and we decided to call ourselves the Ann Arbor Gay Liberation Front because You know, Ann Arbor, you could have a front. (laughs) So that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And kept on meeting and ultimately the, uh, what is now the Spectrum Center took its Mm -hmm. beginnings from from that effort.
1: Mm -hmm. Now when I met you, Um, You were introduced to me as Jim Toy. Well, you know, Jim Toy was the first person to come out in Michigan, okay? And we know, but there were people out there, but you were the first person to be identified as being out and gay. Can you share that story with us?
2: I will try to pull my memory back about that. There was, there were any number of radical groups at least a dozen in the Detroit area at that time and there was a rally organized at where Kennedy Square yeah yeah downtown Detroit against the Vietnam War and so the guy who was supposed to speak against the war it had nothing he had nothing to do with sexual orientation concerns he was simply going to speak out against the war and the Episcopal Church that I was associated with also was uh, against the war and also served as a sanctuary for, for men trying to avoid the draft. And so this guy who had been slated to speak, walked off (laughs) and said, I'm not talking. So we all looked at each other. Uh, What are we gonna do? And finally I said, well, here's, I've got a yellow pad. Why I did have, I don't know, (laughs) maybe to take notes on. So I said, I'll say something. So I got up and spoke out against the war. And as I got to the end, I I guess it was the end of my comments. I said, let me identify myself. Uh, My first name is Jim. My last name is Toy. I'm 40 years old and I'm gay. Uh, And so that's how I, came out of the closet Mm
4: -hmm.
2: publicly and I hadn't thought about the press to use Mm -hmm. that term Mm -hmm. and they picked up on it so there I was out brought out by what the Detroit Free Press or Detroit News I forget which so that's how that came about.
1: When you got back up here with your with your crew, uh, did they say like, "What did you do? You know, what have you done?" Or were they happy?
2: Oh, they were. They were really supportive. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Say, "Thank you for taking that risk" or whatever.
4: Uh-huh.
2: So, we were a pretty tight knit group.
1: Now, you know, we're celebrating the 50th year of
2: Stonewall, Stonewall, yeah.
1: but a lot of people sound like, you know what, gay people were doing things before Stonewall, oh, but Stonewall absolutely. just sort of like, boom, it yeah, blew up. There we go. Okay, just like how you were saying, you were out, but people weren't saying that they were out. That's right. Did you find that after you did that, and it was in the paper that you found more people ready to say?
2: I would say that's right. That's, uh-huh. that's just true. here? Or also in Detroit? Both, Mm. both. And because it was such a getting into Detroit, well, you know, it takes an hour now, I guess. I haven't done that trip in a long time. Uh And so we began to devote a lot of our energies uh, to the quote, movement in Ann Arbor.
1: We're going to take a break here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with legendary gay activist Jim Toy. Okay, and you know, and that's the thing. Like, you continue to do a lot of things, and I know that you push to get non-discrimination policies changed to h- include sexual orientation, and now we have gender expression. Yes. But you know, you have a lot of people that said, "Well, after I came out, you know, suddenly everything went backwards. I couldn't do anything." But you were able to continue, and you chose to continue to work in social justice, in moving gay rights. Did you ever have a moment where you went like, you know, what have I done? It'd be easier for me to just like, go back to the church and play, play, and be quiet?
2: Well, in my memory, I felt that, hey, this is what I'm gonna do, and I did it, I'm stubborn at that (laughs) nature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, with all the support uh, from the people here in Ann Arbor, Mm -hmm. I was encouraged, of course, uh, by that support, and so I just kept on, Mm -hmm. kept on keeping on.
1: Well, I know that when we, because we also met around the Peninsula Group, and that was one of the things that many of us, when we're sitting back and we're going like, oh, can we do this, can we do this? You've been doing it a lot longer than all of us. And it was like, well, if Jim can keep doing it, you know, oh, why can't we do this? Travis, how did you meet Jim?
3: Um, I met Jim a little over five years ago now. Was it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was aware of the center and mm-hmm. um, of Jim when I was a student at Michigan. Mm-hmm. But I was never actively involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... When I moved back to Ann Arbor, um, I had a few friends who were on the, the center board, um, mm-hmm. and they kind of brought me in, and this was one of the first things that I got involved in when I when I moved back here, and I met Jim through that, and um, this became a place that I just wanted to spend a lot of time, and I wanted to learn from Jim and um, work with him, and, and yeah, so that's... It, I met him through the center, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Had you... Did you do a read-up? Like, okay, this who's to- oh. this Jim Toy guy? Let me read up about him.
3: <laughs> um, I don't think I did that um i i've learned a lot about him and his story just through talking to him um which Mm -hmm. i think is even better as i mean you know from just this here already i could listen to him for hours Mm -hmm. talk about um his experience obviously i have also read things but no prior to coming here for the first time or something i didn't i didn't Mm -hmm. study um or anything like that but um i was i was aware not in of everything that he had accomplished, but mm-hmm. I was aware of um, several of the things that he had done. I knew that mm-hmm. that he had founded Spectrum Center, for mm-hmm. example, and things like that. So,
1: but so Jim, one of the things that I don't even know if you know, I think it was at an inclusive justice thing, and you came out and you did a Marlena Dietrich piece. You know, you had the the boa.
2: Oh, uh, that. <laughs> uh,
1: what is it about? I mean, I could share, I mean, I, I've seen the movies and stuff of it, but that persona.
2: I mean, and you just sort of like you were just like so into that role. Okay, Marlena <laughs> Dietrich, tell I, me. I'd forgotten about that. I saw her show uh, in Manhattan at the—I forget the name of the theater. I was uh, there with a friend. And we saw this announcement. Uh, Marlena Dietrich did a say show, I don't remember what. And somehow we'd gotten two comps. And so we said to each other, Should we go? <laughs> and should we waste our time going to see this old frump? I remember Uh we—that's how we referred to her. So we go, and I was just coming out of a disastrous love affair and gay love affair, and out she comes, you know, onto Uh the stage in her pink spangled gown. And she had it so arranged that her White Swansdown train curled up behind her and she started to sing. Well, I just lost it, Mm -hmm. yeah, and... So she became, as she was for so many other people, my icon, Mm -hmm. and that's how I got into her. Mm Look me over closely. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what you see. A lady likes to look her best. Mm -hmm.
1: That that was just so delightful. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. It was fun. I've got the script somewhere, I don't remember where. Uh Uh And I've got the costume somewhere, I don't remember where.
1: (laughs) But he still had the costume too,
2: huh? Well, the dregs of it or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: We might need to get you to revive this at Pride or something. Oh my god!
1: Because <laughs> I, you, you know, I, yeah, I, because it's like, yeah, how you hear the stories and you know, there's some ways that you have, you know, Jim. Although once you know him, you you come down off the pedestal because it's like people enter. Oh, he's the first person who came out in Michigan, and it's like, oh, you know.
4: You know, <laughs>
1: but then you meet this guy and, you know, and he's, he's like, Jim, yeah, he's <laughs> just Jim. And so then here we are all at this thing and he comes out and he does that and it was like, wow, <laughs> you know, and I did, I went back and I said, let me read up more about Marlena Dietrich and and find things about her. That was a different era. Absolutely. I mean, that, was, that was a totally different era.
2: Absolutely.
1: How have you seen times change? And, you know, at one of your birthday parties, you so threaded the needle from back when you were coming out to what's going on now. How have you seen things change, and how important is it to have centers like this?
2: Well, the biggest change, as I see it, is the attention that now, as I guess I said already, attention that now is given to gender identity and gender expression, which came about only because of the advent of of the internet. And so, for example, where the what is it acronym? I forget. LGBT. I turn it around and I say TBLG. Mm-hmm. Because, well, for two reasons, which you may have seen or I may have talked about before, we become aware of quote gender and, and gender concerns early in our lives. I mean, immediate, almost immediately. Uh, because they they devolve from our uh, biological sex Mm -hmm. and so I put the T first because T uh, is the abbreviation for transgender and also because transgender people are the most harassed and discriminated against and assaulted part of our community. And so that's the order of reference that I use TBLGQ now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so gratified uh, that younger people, high school age people, are now uh, so supportive of these concerns. When when I was in high school, come on, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was never any discussion of sexual orientation, let alone gender identity, gender expression. Now, I've wandered off from your question. You know, you're right
1: where you're supposed to be. You know, I talked to someone in Canada, oh, Canada, and they say LGBTQ two for two spirited people. Oh, good. Because they are saying also just how we 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 forget that you know, and we also tell people you know we're not brand new. We've been around for a while. So they bring in the in the two spirited part. But you know when you talk about the T and how much we put on gender, and it's even before you're born. I mean now. As far as we've come, we've also been so almost like regressive to having these gender reveal parties and oh, so yeah. that you're putting these kids in the silo yep. even before they're born, yep. you know,
2: yeah. Well, for me, the, uh, the concern comes back to male domination. If you aren't a man,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you're no good. And so, uh, women—I'm speaking very broadly—are no good because they aren't male. And and if you're a man, you're attracted sexually to women. Mm -hmm. And if you look male. And you aren't, and you're attracted to other men. You're bad news, mm-hmm. and so everything that is stereotypically male is, is good, and everything that is not is bad. Mm-hmm. It, there's that, uh,
4: mm-hmm.
2: there's that mm-hmm. good-bad dichotomy mm-hmm. that we live with. I think, that we all live with.
1: Well, certainly you see, like, how the trans community, in many ways, even when, and that's the thing about Stonewall, the trans community led at Stonewall, which we say is the spark of the Uh, LGBTQ, and now we're coming back to them. Travis, here you are at the center. I talked with Harriet Hancock, and there's a Harriet Hancock Community Center in Columbia, South Carolina. Wow. Yeah, you know, and much like Jim, um, she is an icon, a legend in her community. How important is it, or how significant is it, that people can come to the Jim Toy Center? And your Jim Toy.
3: Yeah, um, it's incredibly important, and we hear all the time. I mean, I think actually we were talking a bit ago about you know keith and martin's retirement over at outbar and mm-hmm. and common language uh their physical space closing and i think it was during that time that i even realized how much more important it was for this space to exist for mm-hmm. people um because we heard from so many folks who just wanted to know like is Braun Court still going to be there Mm. this place is so important to me it's you know it feels like home or in many cases it's the only place I feel like home um and so being able to have spaces like this that were built by people like Jim um are so important to the community now even in a place like Ann Arbor where often you know we feel welcome and accepted almost anywhere Mm -hmm. um and so yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have these spaces and and to have a place where the community can gather in incredible moments of happiness and celebration, like we did uh, a few years ago with the passage of marriage or the, the marriage equality yeah, yeah. ruling, mm-hmm. but also in times of re- of real sadness and reflection, you know, after Pulse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just knowing that people this is where people come in those mm-hmm. moments because they just want to be with family. Um and I think I think it's incredibly important for people.
1: Do you feel that and you know, I've talked to people who like I talked to Walter Nagel who was Bayard Rustin's partner and I've talked to other the people at the at the here Texas, do you feel a responsibility to keep not only the legacy of Jim Toy, but the legacy of what our community has gone through before to get to this place do you feel a responsibility to not only continue that that legacy and that history but to build upon it
3: mm-hmm. yeah I think um, yes of course um, and I think a big part of that obviously we're always you know looking for what's next um, and we have we have a tendency to um, I think appropriately we are the civil rights movement for LGBTQ people has been moving quickly for the last um, few years, and we've seen a lot of, of significant um, improvements in the lives uh, of folks, but I think the further we get, and I think we see this in other movements as well, particularly with women's reproductive rights or others, mm-hmm. that the, the better things get, the more people are, the more people are willing to kind of forget about or look past what happened to get there. Um, and if we don't, you know, keep that legacy alive, keep um, informing and educating younger LGBTQ folks about the struggles that um, people like Jim and the incredible folks at Stonewall went through um, to get us here, then I think it's too easy to take things for granted, um, Mm -hmm. or to assume that it might be easier than it's going to be, um, and I think, I think back just, I mean, in my, um, lifetime, and, and I don't have nearly the history that Jim has, um, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I'm relatively lucky in that, um, while I grew up in a relatively small conservative town and things still weren't as open and accepting when I was growing up, um, now as, um, uh, particularly as a white cisgender man, but who also happens to be gay, um, you know, things are so much easier for me than they were, um, when Jim was growing up. And that's because of the work of all of those people and the struggles of those people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just think that if we don't continue talking about it and, and educating about it, we could start going back again. Um, and and I also just I think it's important to to also point out, just kind of the in the last few years, kind of some of the lines that have been drawn in the sand, where you know far too often we would see um, politicians or. Um, opponents try to kind of drive a wedge in the community and they would say, you know, we'll, um, we're willing to give equal rights or non-discrimination to gay and lesbian people but not to transgender people. Mm-hmm. And for, I think, our community to come together and say, no, it's all of us or mm-hmm. none of us is really important as well. Yeah. Um, because if we take that incremental approach and say, sure, I'll take mine um, and leave other people behind, It could take another 50 years Um, and and so I think that's also important is for for folks to continue to realize that you know at Stonewall that was a lot of really marginalized people who rose up and started a lot of this for us um, and that it would not be okay for us to to leave them behind Um, and so yeah, I think, I think community is really important.
1: You know, that's interesting. And I'll ask you both. You know, someone had asked me recently, well, what did the Stonewall Uprising mean to you? And I'm going to tell you, when the Stonewall Uprising happened, I was young. Yeah. I was dealing with racial inequality. Yeah. I, was con- I was singing, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah. And moved from that into I am woman, hear me roar. And it was a while before I got to, you know, (laughs) I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it, okay? But I recognize that it set a framework, okay? So, for each of you, Jim, you were alive. You were, in fact, you were were grown, you were grown folk. You were grown folk when Stonewall happened. What does that Stonewall uprising mean to you? And for you, Travis, you're looking at it from, a, I guess, a historical point of of view. What does it mean to you? So, Jim, what did when you heard what had happened at Stonewall, what did that mean to you?
2: Well, my recollection, and that's a term I have to use, Mm -hmm. is that... Stonewall, what year would that have been? 69. 69. All right. So... uh, uh, It was well. That's what that is. What does that have to do with me?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was difficult, as I recall, for me to project myself into that particular concern. Mm-hmm. What year?
4: Sixty-nine.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm what. 39 years old, yep. And I'm not out Mm -hmm. to myself or anybody else. So, well those people certainly took a risk Mm -hmm. and I'm glad they did, but what does it mean for me? What does it mean for us here? And so it it raised, I'm going to say, more questions uh, than it did provide answers. But I'm glad it raised questions because our tight-knit community here in Ann Arbor and in Detroit, uh, it gave us... (laughs) a lot of concerns to talk about Mm -hmm. and organize around and I was fortunate because I was working for the University of Michigan and so I had those resources at my back so to speak and when we organized the what became what now is the Spectrum Center it it was the first of its kind insofar as I know anywhere in the world let alone in the United States the first center to uh in an institution of higher learning, to use that jargon, to uh, address concerns at that time of sexual orientation. And so, Cindy Cynthia Gare and I got appointed by the university to open what now is the Spectrum Center, and Cindy, to use that abbreviation, being far younger than I, discovered that that she had other concerns to attend to, and so she moved on, and I, I worked then with a succession, we called ourselves Advocates, the gay advocate and the lesbian advocate we were. I worked with a total of 10 women, uh, one after the other, who served as lesbian advocates, and the university uh, took an enormous risk in opening our office and they gave us quarter time appointments, I mean in terms of salary, Mm -hmm. because we insisted there had to be gender parity. There was an attempt, not surprisingly, I'm sorry to say, uh, to have a man be the head of this. Uh, No, it's gonna be gender equality here and so we were given quarter time in terms of salary appointments and seven we lived with those quarter time appointments salaries for seven years and then spiritual and religious leaders in Ann Arbor went to the administration and said "You, these people you, we know what social service and social justice uh jobs are like they're working their heads off full-time for quarter-time salaries you've got to raise them to half-time and that was seven years after we got going so the university uh whoever made that decision (laughs) i don't know raised us to half-time salaries well 10 years later the same spiritual and religious leaders went back and said okay enough is more than enough 10 years after you raise these people to half-time salaries here they're working their heads off more than full-time you've got to make them full-time and so the university did and how that came about i'm sure i don't know but i continue to say how grateful i am to the administration for taking that risk
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that's true because I had talked to someone and they were saying, well, you know, New York was different. I mean, when I was talking to Walter Nagel, he was saying, oh, you know, it was nothing. I mean, to walk down, I mean, you did that in Greenwich Village. Uh Okay, so here you are. I mean, and I mean, it's sort of like, well, yeah, there's Stonewall and, you know, I can put in. What does this mean to you?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, in in total honesty, I think one of. The challenges that I had is that growing up, I wasn't aware enough about Stonewall. Uh Um, And I'm really just learning more about Stonewall in the last few years, even. Um, And, um, you know, the school that I went to, and frankly, in most schools, you don't learn a lot about LGBTQ history. Um, And so Stonewall, I don't think, was something I was really even aware of until um, maybe late in high school or even college. Um, and then what I knew about it was um, relatively minimal. And so actually, I think kind of in the last few years, I, I, um, I've really started learning more about it and understanding um, kind of the... Conflict that led to it, but also the courage and strength it took mm-hmm. for, um, again, a lot of very marginalized people that mm-hmm. were that were targeted there, to to stand up and to um, and to kind of fight back for their ability to just mm-hmm. survive and exist. Um, and um, and so I think for me, being able to look at that mm-hmm. and understand some of the, um, the advances and the, the organization and the, I mean, because honestly, coming out of it from, um, were, was a much more organized, um, mm-hmm. effort to demand, again, the basic ability to exist, um, and, um, that means so much, um. But i I wish that I would have known about it younger. Um, mm-hmm. as you know, I was discovering who I was and um, knowing that there were there have been people fighting for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why it's really important for us to also be pushing for things like LGBTQ history in schools and and frankly, to educate people about why we celebrate pride um, and around the anniversary of of the Stonewall Riots, and um, and actually we, we made a, an effort here in Ann Arbor when we were, when we used to celebrate Outfest here in Ann Arbor around National Coming Out Month, and when we transitioned to Pride, um, we wanted to have it in June, um, but we actually chose do ours that first weekend in August and mm-hmm. it was an intentional decision because there are so many established yeah. prides here mm-hmm. in Michigan
4: mm-hmm.
3: and we wanted to make sure that we were supporting one another and able to attend all of them rather than you know creating competition um, because we do think it's important for kind of each of these communities to be able to have their their recognition and their celebration of pride um, um, and this year it's exciting to see so many of them tying that back its original purpose
1: we'll continue with our conversation at the Jim toy center in just a moment if you're just joining this is collections by michelle brown our guests are jim toy and travis Redina. we'll be right back Part of the the person of color umbrella, okay? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and there's a contradiction. Okay, Stonewall was started by people of color, trans women. Okay, yeah, that's what and then, did. but for many years, the gay movement was seen as white gay men. Absolutely. Okay, and then in some ways, there still are things.
2: Yeah.
1: Now here we see it sort of coming around. This year they're going to do a. Um, Statues for uh, Sylvia Rivera and Marsha Johnson in New York. All right, okay And I would tell people if you've never you know, I've been to the Christopher Park and it, and it was like very whitewashed Now you're coming around and you know, and now you're an elder quote-unquote elder and you're you are We have an API a A-P-I-A community that's coming out yeah, yeah, the LGBT yeah. community yeah, yeah. we're starting to see That the rainbow in our community also includes people of different ethnicities, different races. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, does that make you feel good now? I mean, do you have a moment? I knew Grace Boggs. Oh, sure. And, you know, and Grace Fox was Chinese, but for many years, she had been so identified with the black power movement uh, that people uh. thought she was black. <laughs> and so it was like, when she was, I, I want to say in her 80s, she, you know, and then suddenly the whole APIA community was coming yep. out, you know, celebrating her Asian roots. Are you happy to, to see the APIA community within the LGBT community and all these other communities of color starting to, like, really some color into that rainbow. I'm
2: so glad. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that that's going on. Well, it isn't going on, it's it's being done
4: mm-hmm.
2: by, I'm gonna use the term, by, by a collective of, of determined people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you one of the good things about this community, um, this center. A couple years ago, I did the Women's March. And, and a couple of times when I, I brought in, you know, LGBT about everything, and afterwards we came up here to to have lunch at the <laughs> bar, and there was a young African American who was on his way here, who told me two things. First of all, it was great to see a person of color involved in the women's march, but also a person of color who was LGBTQ and brought those in there, and how often he felt. Lost in that in greater community, but this was his place. Yeah. This was his place. He came here afterwards to like sort of like get that. Okay, these are my peeps, and to come here.
2: Yeah.
1: How important is it to to you? I mean, you're mm-hmm. the big Kahuna here, <laughs> Travis, to to make sure that communities of color, and particularly our trans community, know that this is their this is their home. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's not just like we are put the tea up there just because this is your home.
3: Yeah, um, it's incredibly important, and and it's great to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say that I actually don't think that we're doing enough, um, mm-hmm. and so I am very aware of the fact that um, you know you call me the big Kahuna here, and then, <laughs> and I. I laugh about it a little bit because I'm I'm just a board member here you know this is a team effort our entire board we're all volunteers we don't have staff Um, and everybody kind of pulls their weight and that's how the center continues Um, but um, I'm also very aware that you know the most visible face other than Jim of course is often me Um, and that I am still uh, you know a white man Um, Mm -hmm. and and that um, we need to make sure that we are reflective of our community. Um, and so I, I actually have had a couple of meetings already this week with folks because I'm constantly reaching out, um, trying to recruit a diverse board of people so that we have um, our entire community represented at the table when we're making decisions about what kind of programming or what kind of community needs we need to address. Um, and also to make sure, you know, we... We're not, as a nonprofit, we're not partisan or political, but we can do issue advocacy, and um, I think that that's something that our board, everyone on our board, takes very seriously. We do a lot of advocacy um, and making sure that we're advocating for things that um, that are important to the entire community and not just to um, you know those of us who are most visible or who often have a seat at the table. Um, and so um, we we do try to be as inclusive as possible and make sure that, mm-hmm. um, that everyone is represented at things like Pride and things like that um, and on our board. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredibly important to us. It's a responsibility we take really seriously. And um, we have been lucky here at the Center that I think we have often had a really diverse um, group of strong voices coming together. Um, but we also have to make sure we don't lose sight of that and that we can always be doing more to um <clears throat> to lift up other voices.
1: So what exactly happens here besides I mean I love the great <laughs> books, you know. I we've already talked about how i you know books. I mean it's a comfortable space, it's a very welcoming space. What happens here at the Jim Toy Community Center?
3: Yeah. Um It really depends on the time of year. Um, As I mentioned, we don't have staff, um, and so that sometimes makes it challenging for us. Um, I I think probably in the physical space, the most important thing that we do is provide a safe and welcoming place for a lot of groups to meet, Um, and so we have a lot of partner organizations that really actually feel ownership and home here. Um, actually I think if we were to go upstairs you'd see they all kind of have little sections of things that they store Mm -hmm. here Um, they all help us take care of it Um, we often get notes left behind that you know they're changing lights or doing things like that that, because I I think everybody really feels like this is their place Um, and that's that's that comfort that you speak about and so that's a really important part of the physical space. Um, we wish that we were open more often for mm-hmm. people to just drop by. Um, obviously, that comes with having someone here. And so we've been lucky a few times um, to have either a part-time staff person um, or actually we were really successful with um, a couple of students that were doing some, some research work but their professors wanted them to work out of a community center and so they opened the center up and held office hours and things like that for us here while they were also doing their research work. Um, And so when we're able to do that and we can open this up to more people, we obviously recognize Mm -hmm. that that's that's our goal. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And then we also organize out of this space, and so we have we have several events. Obviously, Pride is probably our most visible, Jim's birthday bash, um, <laughs> um, those social events. Um, but we also have uh, a lot of different committees that meet here or um, or host events out of here in Braun Court. Um, this is kind of the headquarters. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it depends. Um, the goal for me would be to get us to a position where we can have this space more open and more accessible yeah. to the community mm-hmm.
1: yeah. wow. Wow. so Jim <coughs> how are we
3: doing that? I think <laughs> we're doing uh, it's almost noon Okay, but.
1: Jim at your birthday you said 88 was great and 89 was going to be just fine Yeah. Uh-huh. as you look at things and we look at Yeah, and and I'm going to let you comment on all of it. I look at things that affect our community. Um, We have to talk about the number of trans murders. Uh, We've got our political power. You know, um, not only was there a blue wave, there was a rainbow wave in 2018. Um, And then what's happening, because I've had people talk about, you know, maybe they need to go back in the closet because of this Administration and things that they are doing. HIV and, and AIDS are not gone. They're under, you know, we've got things where people can live longer lives. But as you go into 89, what would be a cautionary tale that you would tell to our community about what we need to be thinking about as we move forward?
2: That, thank you for asking the complex the the complexity of the concerns that we're dealing with is beyond challenging and the concern about gender and the concern about Color and ethnicity, which gets falsely encapsulated into that word race, um, we have to address. And how we're going to do that is, well, fortunately, uh, the the group of us. Uh, is aware of that concern and we're doing all we can at this local level to, to address it. The I, as vigorously as I could, uh, opposed the center being named after me. Uh, and i i think i said at the time let's call it the audrey lord center mm. or the harvey milk center and what i heard was they're dead and i said <laughs> yes i know they're dead mm-hmm. <laughs> and so is george washington but and so i didn't prevail and I would like my name to be disassociated f- from the title of the center, and I, again, I, I would, for example, uh, rename it as the Lord, as the Audrey Lord Center. That would be my preference. However, why don't we just call it the Rainbow Center? with all that that would imply and then address that rainbow of concerns that have to do with justice and I continue to say hand in hand we're climbing the mountain of justice and that's what it is for me hand in hand meaning all of us together supporting each other Mm -hmm. by doing all we can to advance the cause of justice for everybody.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, I'm going to tell you, I was at the Ruth Ellis Center. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, and just something for you to consider, Uh, there was a young trans woman there who was 23. Okay. And part of her coming out And part of her finding her way and finding a safe space was at the Ruth Ellis Center. Okay. And, but she didn't know Ruth Ellis. Yeah. And, and going in and finding out about Ruth Ellis. Yeah. What she said was, she realized that Ruth Ellis had been a real person who had lived in her community. Yep. And she saw herself, that she wasn't brand new. And that she was part of something. And so I hear you, but I think that how important it is for, you know, in 10 years, as we celebrate your 100th birthday, (laughs) (laughs) that some young person who is is just being born knows that Jim Toy was a real person and walked these streets Mm -hmm. just like them. So think about that. So we could call it the rainbow gym toy. (laughs) But I I, you know, it's so important, man. And you know, I never thought about that until she told and she also said that knowing about Ruth Ellis charged her to make sure that she knew of kids who were still living like she was, that she had a responsibility to do what Ruth Ellis had done so there'd be a center that could help her, yeah. so that she could help these young okay. trans kids. Yeah. So think on that.
2: I hear you, I think, okay. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I was uh, I was fortunate to have known Ruth. Mm-hmm. I was on a panel with her and I used the word queer and she got in my face and said, <laughs> don't you ever use that word. And now, in the years since, we've been trying to, to uh, what's the word I'm on? Not rehabilitate, redeem that word, mm-hmm. uh, queer and make it as positive as we can.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And <laughs> when I think back, uh, to that panel, and of course, she Ruth herself had been put down uh, by being referred to as queer. Well, times we're moving on, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep on redeeming that word. Mm-hmm. Why did I say that? I don't know, but I.
1: Well, you know, what? because it is, it's something because that it we're is. reclaiming it. I
2: use okay, queer. claim, That's the I, word.
1: I use queer, and I know people are like. Why do you use queer? Why I, I use both, you know, yeah. and and because I think I'm gender fluid. Yeah. I think I'm more than just you know. Don't put me in a silo. You know. There we go. So, but I I respect all the other ones and and the people who came before me and how important it yeah. was to be that.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Travis. Yeah. Okay, you've heard, uh, Jim, looking forward, I mean, like you said, in your lifetime, you've seen so much. You know, so many things that we never thought. I mean, I know Jim and I, I mean, I never thought we'd be able to get married. I mean, I I never thought we'd see an openly gay man ready to run for president. There we go. That we'd see an openly gay lesbian who's the mayor of Chicago. I mean, because I remember... Like in the '60s, what I knew about Chicago was that like, that they had had a Democratic <clears throat> uh, convention and they were protesting against the war, and yeah. I think that people got beat up and stuff.
2: Absolutely, and that. Yeah. they
1: got a gay mayor, an openly lesbian <laughs> yeah. mayor, and her first lady. Yeah. Okay, so as you look at it, I mean, and it's really easy to go, like, "Hey, we've come a long yeah. way, baby." Um, what's your cautions?
3: Yeah. Um. One, well, and, and I think I also want to just try to claim her a little bit, Um, Mm -hmm. Lori Lightfoot in in Chicago, not only just the the first openly gay black female mayor of Chicago, Mm -hmm. but also a University of Michigan alumna, Uh, and so so we can lay a little bit of claim to her here in Ann Arbor, uh Um, but we have, we've made incredible strides, but I will also say, like, it is shocking to me that we got marriage equality years Mm -hmm. before we ended discrimination in housing and employment here in the state of Michigan, um, and so it's it's uh, I I don't I don't even have words to describe how um, just stunning it is to me that we're still fighting to amend Elliot Larson, um, mm-hmm. and that's something we have to do. Um, and and then I agree. I think it's incredible that we have um, and. A openly gay candidate for president who is being seriously considered, um, and who's you know in many ways kind of in the top two or top three, top five of most polls. Um, We have a lesbian attorney general who here in Michigan who is kicking butt, (laughs) and and who um, and who really is I think not just I mean she has obviously her own history of accomplishments um in getting to where she is now but is someone who um young women young girls can look to now and say like this is possible for me Mm -hmm. um and so I think we have to continue making sure that we tell our stories um because our stories are what connect people Mm -hmm. to it and make it real for people Mm -hmm. um And I am very nervous, though, and scared about a lot of the things that we're seeing, particularly out of the administration and the federal government right now. Um, From a president who, um, on the campaign trail, frequently told LGBTQ voters that he was going to be the best person for them, Mm -hmm. and we have seen the systematic rolling back of our rights and Mm -hmm. attacks on members of our community, Um, the... (laughs) really just disgusting um, way that he's using trans service members as political pawns to to score points with his base. Um, These are men and women who have signed up to give their lives for their country if needed and who who are watching their government say, you don't deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to take very seriously the fact that as we become more visible and as we tell our stories and as we continue to advance on our rights, there are going to be those who are even louder and more emboldened in their opposition to us and their um, willingness to, as they clasp on to those, um, those final ways of oppressing members of the LGBTQ community, that they're going to more desperate um and so we have to we have to be vigilant um we have to be strong together um but i um i'm overall I, while i'm very disheartened by a lot of the things we see happening right now i'm optimistic i um taking off my gym toy hat right now and just <laughs> and just speaking on a personal level um, i don't Expect to see again a Democratic candidate for president, for example, who doesn't embrace the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. being taken seriously, and we need to get to a point where the Republican Party is the same way. Um, and and I think we could get there. Um, unfortunately, it's not the reality right now, um, but there's still a lot of work to do. And I think that's the the big takeaway that I have. You know, we often Take time to celebrate the accomplishments we've made, and that's really important. But I think at each and every one of those celebrations, we need to remind people that this is still just early days. We've mm-hmm. got a lot ahead of us, and um, Jim often says that you know we're climbing the mountain of justice hand in hand together, and and mm-hmm. I think you know we've got to stick together through it. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and and Jim, and I guess, and looking at you and looking at your life. Not only have you been an LGBT activist, you've also been a social justice activist. And I guess, how important is it to you that as we climb that hand in hand, that we take on are other issues like immigration, yeah. reproductive rights, how important is it that we also say to people that these are our issues as well?
2: We have to say it loud and clear these are our issues and together we will address them Mm
4: -hmm.
2: because if we don't we are supporting inequality and we, we and if we don't we're supporting the lack of justice for everybody and so we're turning it around and doing all we can together to create and maintain justice for everybody and what's that slogan eternal vigilance is the price of liberty and we just have to keep our eyes and ears open every minute to injustice anywhere so with that i want to
1: thank you both for taking time to talk with me today. Oh, thank you,
2: Michelle. Oh, I
1: mean, you know, it is is really good, you know, this place. I want to thank today's guest, the board president of the Jim Toy Community Center in Ann Arbor and Michigan's LGBTQ pioneering activist, Jim Toy. The name Jim Toy is synonymous with the queer movement in the state of Michigan. The Jim Toy Center continues to provide information, education, social events, and advocacy by and for the queer and ally community in the Washtenaw County area and beyond. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Right here, on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.